Woo! You guys have made me feel very overwhelmed. Since I am black, I'll, I'll do a little shout-outs here real quick. <laughs> Got a few shout-outs to my family coming all the way from North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Woo! showing up in Groves. <clears throat> so spiritual family meet my, my actual family. So really, really excited about that. Um, to my, my twin brother, you guys got to see him. And so you know, he said some things today from stage I didn't necessarily like. <laughs> so, oh, there he is. I know it's tough for you to, to look at me and see what you could be. <clears throat> but I love you. I love your, I love your talent. I love your gift. Um, my brother is, a, is actually the person that actually led me to the Lord. So um, thankful, thankful for him. And uh, also just want to shout out my 180 team. I, um, they, they make me look really good. So um, to Mike and Nikki, Jose, Oscar, Deanna, Elizabeth, Josiah, uh, Amen and Seti. I don't know if, are you guys in here right now? Can you stand up real quick? Can you just stand up? Guys, these, these are the people that are pouring into your students, into your kids. And so I love them. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's hop into this. Uh, I won't take too much of your time this morning. Um, <clears throat> this message that I'm preaching today is called From uh, Belief to Abiding. And uh, it is inspired by my grandmother. Um, about, about eight weeks ago, my, my grandfather passed away and, uh, kind of unexpectedly. And <clears throat> I remember hearing the story of when my, um, well, I was told the story of when my grandmother, uh, got the news, received the news, the final news that my grandfather passed away. And she looked her kids in the eyes and, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but she looked her kids in the eyes and she told them, Hey, listen, you're, I understand what you're saying, that you're, your father and my husband has, has gone on to be with Jesus, and we're going to be strong, and we're going to get through this. And I was blown away at her level of, of faith in that moment, one that I hadn't seen. And then, so when I went to mourn with my family and spend time with my family during that time and pray with my grandmother, I got to see it in person, that she was walking out her faith in one of the most uh, difficult times in her, in her life. Uh, but I could, I could sense that this wasn't just some belief that she had just from going to church on a Sunday, yeah. right? This wasn't a, uh, something that, you know, hey, she lived, she's lived a long life. Maybe she's seen a lot of things. She's experienced a lot of death. So she's accustomed to it. But that wasn't what we saw. What I saw was my grandmother abiding in her long-lasting relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when that trial came, when the winds came, she wasn't moved or shaken off the rock of Jesus. She was grounded and founded. And so it's with that today that I'm talking about from a belief to a body. My grandmother is here today. Amen. And I just, just wanted to thank her, tell her I love her, and she is one of my living heroes. And so a scripture today we want to we talk about or talk from is John chapter 8. Verses 30 to 30 through 32. And it says this. 
As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you are a fan of points, I have three points for you this morning. (laughs) Many, there were many that believed. And they went from disciples that abide and the truth that sets them free. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are, for how much you love us, and how much you relentlessly come after us and seek after us and fight for us. And so we thank you this morning that you are here and that your presence is here. And when your presence comes, things change for us. And so we pray, Father, that you would speak to us. Let the soil of our heart be soft so we can hear what you want us to hear. And Father, speak through me this morning. Let me decrease so that you increase. Father, we thank you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this first point is <clears throat> many believed. It says in verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed. And I started to think, so what did they actually believe? What was he actually saying to them? So I can't read all of these things, but I'll kind of point out a few. In the beginning of John chapter 8, it's the story of the adulterous woman, right, who has been caught in the act of adultery. And so the Pharisees bring her out and place her in the middle of the court, of the temple courts where Jesus is teaching. And they say, she, we've caught her in an act of adultery. We've caught her in an act of adultery. The law says we should stone her. Jesus, what do you say? And so Jesus looks at her. He doesn't say anything, but then he steps back and starts writing in the sand with his finger. And they're, they're still coming after Jesus. And Jesus is writing in the sand. And most think that he's writing the sins of, of her accusers in the sand. And as Jesus is, is doing this, they're still coming after him. He stands up and he goes, man, if you're perfect, why don't you go ahead and throw the first stone? And so Jesus steps back. And again, he starts writing in the sand. And as he's writing in the sand, they started to step back away from oldest to youngest. I don't know why they go from oldest to youngest or why it says that. Maybe because if you're older, you've done more dirt in your life. And it's kind of <laughs> one of those things where it doesn't take you long to remember, hey, I've, man, I've messed up. So... Um, so many, so this is what happens. Uh, then Jesus goes on and he goes, uh, look, no one's left here to condemn you. Actually, they were here to condemn you, but they didn't have the power to condemn you. And neither, neither do I condemn you. So go, look, you are forgiven and go and be, and be free from your sin. So then he goes on and he goes, I, I am in the next verse. I am the light of the world. If you walk with me, you won't walk in darkness I'll be the light of life. And then he goes on this discourse and begins to tell the people like who he is and who he represents. And he says this in verse 24. He says, listen, if, if you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sins. That's a pretty scary verse. <laughs> and so Jesus is saying these things and, and many, many believe. I mean, how could you not believe this message? I don't know about you, but have you ever been caught in the act? Oh, maybe it's just me. So <laughs> if we were to put your, your deepest, darkest secret up on the screen for the entire congregation to see, yeah. right? Well, maybe if we took some, some browser histories right now and put them up on the screen, right? There would be a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of embarrassment. And so this is what they're believing because they can probably sense, hey, 
Jesus is writing my sins down. I, I know what's happening. He can see within me. And there's conviction. So they start to believe. But they believe because Jesus says, you are forgiven. You're not condemned. You're free from your sin. No matter what you did last night, no matter what you did this morning on your way to church, look, I can't condemn you. I'm not going to condemn you. You can be free in your sin. And I'm going to give you grace to live this out, that you can walk with me and there won't be any darkness. I am the light of life. And I am the great I am, provider of everything that you need, everything that you will ever need, everything that you had needed. I am that. So it's a great message, right? No wonder they believed. So many believed. Some were, many believed. And so Jesus is is here. But it's interesting that Jesus decides to draw this line in verse 31, that there were many that believed from disciples that abide. And I started to wonder why, Jesus, why are you drawing this line from many that believe? Because, listen, if I'm starting a church, like, aren't you starting a church, Jesus? Like, aren't you trying to start a movement that's going to change the world? Why are you drawing this line to kind of push people away? Because if I'm starting a church, if I'm starting a movement, I, I want as many Instagram followers as possible. <laughs> I want as many Facebook likes. I want fans and fans filling stadiums. But Jesus is not interested in fans. Because fans are ultimately not really involved in the game and the game plan. And what happens on the field doesn't really affect how they live the rest of their life. If you're a fan of football, fans only really show up once a week. Jesus is not really interested in us putting our cross on our chest and putting our Grace Covenant sticker on the back of our car, right? Not necessarily interested in if we're voting a specific way, right? Because these are all just things that are external, right? It doesn't really signify any real change that's happening in our heart. Jesus is not interested in people that are just believing because you guys know the scripture, James 2.19, even the demons believe. Even the demons believe and they shudder, meaning they can recognize the power and authority that Jesus walks in, yet they are still changed. The scripture doesn't say the demons believe and they change the angels. The demons believe and shudder. They don't change. So as I, as I began to read through this with the lens of God's character, I, I really started to understand that Jesus wasn't really drawing the line right, to, to kind of push people away. Like, if you look at it through the lens of his character, he's really drawing a line saying, listen, I am giving you this so that you can draw near to who I am. I'm drawing this line in the sand here so that you can be close to me, that you can hear my heart, so that you can be set free forever from your sins and experience eternal life right here, right now. And be impacted deeply and changed so that when life stops being lollipops and rainbows, right? When trials come, when issues of life come, right? Divorce, death, financial strain, that you'll be standing firmly on a rock, not moved and shaken, right? And this is what Jesus is imploring here because he doesn't want us to be like Matthew in chapter 7 at the end where it talks about when the, the rain comes, and the flood comes and the wind blows, we're standing on the rock. But those that are building their house, faking it 
on the sand, they'll be blown away. Don't be sandy this morning. Can you, <laughs> can you look at your neighbor and say, look, don't, don't be sandy this morning. So Jesus says, listen, I, I have this idea, guys. I have this idea. If you really want to be my disciples, if you really truly want to be my disciples, I need you to abide in my word. What does abide mean? Abide means this, to, to remain, to stay, to continue in, to live in, to dwell in. It is where you make your home. What, is, what does home mean to me? Home means to me that, man, after a long day of working really, really hard, and my boss is here, so when I work really, really hard, boss, <laughs> just, just letting you know, man, I come home, I'm sweating blood, bro, for you. For you and your business. <laughs> Just had to get that one in there for you guys. Um, but it's the place where I come home. Man, I am really, really excited to come home. I feel a long day. Kick my shoes off. Get to hang out with my two kids. My dog's wagging her tail. Get to hang out with my boo. We get to cuddle. That's right, I said it. <laughs> From the stage. Um, but that's where I'm most comfortable And that's where true disciples are, most comfortable living in the truth of God's word. So that's the question I'm asking you this morning. Where are we most comfortable? Where are we living this morning? Maybe I'll ask the question a different way. Where are we finding our comfort? Because we can find our comfort in the word of God, we can abide in the word of God, or we can find our comfort in other things. Like, it's easy for me to find my comfort just kind of binging on Netflix, right? I know some people that find their comfort kind of grabbing that extra glass of wine that, you know, they shouldn't drink because they're kind of trying to wash away some of the stresses of the day. And maybe it's in a website that you shouldn't be looking at, right? Maybe it's in a shopping habit, (laughs) right? That's conviction for me. I like to shop. <laughs> we can abide in the word or we can abide in other things. There's this, there's this story in Luke chapter 8 um, where it talks about the, the man that's demon-possessed with legion. You guys are probably familiar with the story. But when Jesus meets him, when he crosses over to Galilee, it says this in uh, verse 27. When he got out on the land, a demon-possessed man from the town met him and for a long time he had worn no clothes and did not stay in a house but in the tombs it's interesting because the same word that's used for abide in the greek is the same word that's used here here's a man that did not stay at his house did not stay with his friends but because he was dealing with this thing he found it much more comfortable to live with the dead rather than with the living. He made a decision to live in the tombs. And I'm not saying we're making decisions we're living with dead, but there are things, places of our emotional state, places where we are, where we're living with things that aren't actually providing life for us. Man, we can live in toxic relationships. We can remain there. We can live in loneliness. 
We can dwell in the past. Man, we can dwell in the past, can't we? We can live in bitterness. We can stay in debt. We can be comfortable being uncomfortable for a long time in things or states of mind that don't bring us life. And I love this when Jesus puts this in this passage in John chapter 8 because he gives us the choice. He says, if you abide, like you can make the decision on what you are abiding in. And especially as believers, we can abide in Jesus or we can remain in our tomb-like places. So I believe today God is, God is saying, <clears throat> look, I want us to stop faking church. I want us to come out of our tombs, right? I want us to abide, abide, and he wants us to abide in him and be set free this morning. So as I was going through this, I really wanted to kind of share three ways that I have abided that has helped me. This is really practical, and my wife likes practical, so she said I needed to have some practical application <laughs> in, in this message, so I kind of want to lay this out here. Uh, my three points, if you're going to, three extra points, if you're going to really have these, are living by faith, <clears throat> remaining in family, and holding to God's love. It says this in <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we live by faith, not by sight. So we live in a way that we're not focused on what we can see, on our circumstances, our own ability, but we live in a way that we're focused on what God can do, right? And that's what living by faith is. How do we get this faith for us to live by? Romans ten seventeen says this, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So as we hear the word, as we abide in the word, our faith increases. Faith comes, faith increases. So as our faith increases, we can actually live by it, and we can live in a way that God intended and we can live in a way that pleases God because it's impossible, obviously, to, please, to live and please God without faith. I wanted to talk about faith a lot today, but I don't have a lot of time. But, well, faith changes how we see our circumstances. Faith changes how we engage in our circumstances. Faith moves our circumstances. Just a little bit of faith moves our circumstances in our life. But the really, I can't talk about that. Listen to Pastor David's message last week. He talked about it a lot. But what I really want to land is, is here about faith, is that living in faith, real faith, requires obedience. James 1 teaches us that faith without works is dead. So as we hear the word, faith comes. That's what the Bible teaches us. And as our faith increases, it has to be accompanied by doing the work of God, by doing the things of God, by obeying his word says this in verse 22, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. You guys heard this term, beating your face? It's a makeup term, right? No? Okay. My wife didn't know what it was. I'm, I'm more hip than her, so that makes sense. No, I love her. I love my, I love my baby. So it's like when I, I was talking to her about it, and I was like, hey, you know about beating your face? She was like, what is that? And it sounds really bad. But I know that there are, there are um, women that, you know, most of us, we won't go out of the house without looking in the mirror, right? Putting on our makeup, putting our best face on. Like, and when, then when we know we look good, you know, that's when our new profile pic comes out. Or we're taking selfies and we're sending it to people. That's when you know so that you don't forget, they don't forget, the whole world doesn't forget that you look good. 
how, how then, if we're not comfortable leaving a house without looking good, how then, if we come face to face with the mirror of the word of God, how then can we turn around and live our life like we've never met Jesus at all? Now, speaking personally, how then can I read the scripture that says, love your wife like Christ loved the church? And then come home and don't wash the dishes. (laughs) That's the first time my wife has said something in church out loud. (laughs) Preach, preach. How can I be impatient with her and short-tempered with her from reading God's word? How is she going to read the scripture that says, wives, submit to your husbands? I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I love her. We're going to have a counseling session with you guys later. But to live by faith, to remain in faith, is to abide in God's word and to be obedient to it. Secondly, remaining in family. Remaining in family. This is a very important one because it's it's where I met God, was in the family of God, and what changed my life. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, speaks of the body of Christ. Right? That there are many parts to the body. And there's no part that's more important than the other, and every part needs each other. But what we tend to find is that there are a lot of limbs and fingers and body parts just kind of floating out there all by themselves, not really attached to the body of Christ, right? And we don't know if it's maybe church hurt, right, previous church hurt. Maybe it's just commitment issues, or maybe it's just unaware that they really need to be attached to the body. But I think there's really full potential that's not being reached for us, full purpose that's not being reached for us if we're not attached to the body of Christ and connected with the family of God. And I believe that it is really quite possible that maybe there's a spiritual breakthrough for someone in here that is attached to that small group that you're avoiding attending, <laughs> right? Or maybe it's in that coffee, that coffee date with that person that you think they're kind of weird and they don't really act like me, talk like me, walk like me, but they're different. But God is saying that there's probably something you need to get from that person that's going to help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. For me in college, it was four white dudes playing guitar from the mountains. This and this was my face, like, yeah, I mean, this is, this is, this is what's happening right now. <laughs> but, we had, but we had relationship. I mean, I, I couldn't even bring some of my friends because they'd be like, man, what have you gotten into, man? Are you in some weird thing? <laughs> but my, my life, my life was being changed by these four guys. Yeah. And I connected and grounded myself in that relationship. That's and I'm like, I'm not going anywhere because I'm growing and I'm changing. Our you more comfortable being yoked with people that are not helping you grow in your relationship with Jesus and never, and never really changing? Or can you become more comfortable making a decision to abide 
in the family of God and be changed forever. Thirdly, holding on to God's love. John 15, 9 talks about the, the true vine. And it says this in, in the verse, in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. God's love establishes our value, and it is where the gospel is centered. John three sixteen, we know it. For God so loved the world, who shall ever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8 says this. But God demonstrated his own love for us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is where we find our purpose. This is where we find our identity. This is where we find our worth. There's this, there was this moment a couple years ago where my three-year-old, my son, who's now almost five, going on 15, um, <laughs> Kingston, he went up to his room. I thought he went to his room to pray, I mean, to, to play, not pray. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> um, but he went, he went to his room, and I thought he was in there playing. And we go up to his room uh, to go check on him, and the door is closed, and it's locked. And I, I don't have one of those keyholes, so I can't get into it. And so uh, I started beating on the door, yes. trying to get to him. And I started knocking on the door, and I'm yelling his name, Kingston, Kingston, what's up, man, wake up. I don't know that he was asleep, but I'm not hearing from him, and he's not responding. And I look at my wife, and I'm like, babe, what, what is happening right now? Like, you could imagine as a parent what's going through my head, right? I'm thinking the worst, that I've lost my son, and i got to get to him. And all of these thoughts are rushing through my head about, man, I had all of these, these things and these dreams and visions for him and what he was going to do in the future, and, and it could be gone. And so I did what any good parent would do. I kicked that door down. <laughs> One kick, too. That's... <laughs> My wife looked at me that day like, baby, man, you are my man. And I opened the door. We run in. And Kingston's in the bed. He's asleep. And he, and he looks up at me as I shake him and wake him up. And he didn't hear any of this. He kind of he looks at me and he goes, And then he goes back to sleep. <laughs> like he must have been really, really tired that day. But isn't that, I mean, this is the love of God. That God is chasing after us. He's banging on the door and he's calling our name and he's saying, Jermaine, Jermaine, David, David, Mike, Mike. And he's thinking about our purpose. He's thinking about our call. And he's breaking down barriers all while we're sleeping and not hearing or responding. But he's chasing after us because he loves us. And I'm, I'm moved by that because this is, this is where we find our purpose. It doesn't matter what our past mistakes were. It doesn't matter. I'll say it like this. It doesn't matter what someone, someone did or what you may have done to someone else. Or maybe some of you are dealing with, with the issue of what someone may have done to you. But there's nothing that separates us from the love of Christ. 
and our, our, our value. Sometimes we assess our value based on our past. Sometimes we assess who we are based on what we've done, right? Or we have our own self-assessment. But, but God is saying, I have a bigger assessment of you. I love you more than you can ever think. This is what establishes our worth. I really want to talk about it a lot, but I don't, but I, I don't have time. <laughs> but God, it forms and shapes our worth. And I'll say this to any, any young lady in here, that if you're not abiding in this thought that God loves you and that he has a really high assessment of you as his daughter, can be easily, easily persuaded by someone that doesn't value you or your virtue as high as God values it. So really, really need to abide in this, or you're going to give it away for much less than it's worth. If they like it, they should put a ring on it. There you go. Um, so thought. Mm. Verse 32 uh, says this, that, I'll read it, that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That if you abide in the, the, if you abide in the word, you'll know the truth, and that truth being Jesus, and he will be revealed to you more and more each day. And as we will abide, we will be set free, not, not, not only from death and penalty of sin, shame, guilt, but also from habitual sins that, sl- that enslave us. Yes. From deep hurts that are eating us away, right? Yes. And from situations where the enemy meant to steal, kill, and destroy, God frees us and gives us life and life to the full as we abide. It's very interesting in the passage because as Jesus talks about freedom, the the Jews, their response was not what we would think. Because you would think, hey, man, you can be free. And this is us in our day. We're like, yeah, I want to be free from a lot of things. I mean, take away my debt, right? You know, take a, I got bills, and you got, they had to go. Take them away. Take away my, my sin and my shame and my guilt. But they were like, what are you talking about? Freedom. We're not in bondage. We're not slaves, never was, never will be. And Jesus is basically goes through this discourse that we don't have time to really develop, but he said, man, you may be physically free, but there, there are some things that you're just not totally free from, and I want you to be. It says in verse 36, who the sun sets free is free indeed. If we would allow the word of God to start to divide some things, right, uh, in our life, I think it will open some things where we may not be free from. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll tell you guys a personal story of um, my wife and I's story. If you guys didn't know, I'm black. Yeah. And, <laughs> and my, my wife she is, is not black. She's white. <laughs> um, so we had kind of a guess who's coming to dinner type situation um, where, and I've had, got permission to talk about this, but her, 
her dad uh, was basically in, in bondage to some things and uh, was unable to receive me as uh, his son-in-law. And so for 10 years of our marriage, there was this bondage that he had that became my bondage. Not for the entire 10 years, but for most of it, I had a lot of rejection, a lot of, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain that I felt, a lot of anger that I felt dealing with this situation with her father. But as I, as I began to, well, I'll say it like this, it's easy to kind of abide, like to kind of live in this place of hurt and pain, uh, especially when you feel like you're right. <laughs> and that's, that's what I felt like. I was right. And so, well, we're going to get this straight. And let's talk about this. Um, but I remember reading a word and hearing God tell me about his love for me and hearing God tell me about how much he forgave me. And I started to think about all the things that he had forgiven me from and my big offense to God all of a sudden, this offense that I was experiencing with her father became not so, not so big. Yeah. And so then I started to live there, live in God's love, live in God's forgiveness. And I began to get free from this thing that was kind of hovering over me. So when the moment, when the moment came for me to, uh, for us to reconcile, and this was this last year, and the father was sitting across from me and he didn't know what to say, and he had tons of papers that he was going to talk from. And he looked at me and says, I don't really know how to start this thing. And let me tell you, out of the overflow of my heart, because this is where I had been abiding, right? This is where I had been living. I looked at him and I said, hey, man, the past is the past. I love you. Let's move on. And you could tangibly kind of sense the breaking in the room. And the shuffling of papers that he had, he didn't use them anymore. So just how his bondage became my bondage, my freedom became his freedom. So we were were both free from emotional hurt and pain, the shame, the guilt, everything wiped away. And we've since reconciled. We're going on a family trip in July. Pray, pray for that. Thank you. <clears throat> but just like this, the, the man we talked about from Luke chapter 8, uh, the demon-possessed man, very similarly, he had an encounter with Jesus. Same for me, I had an encounter with Jesus. And you read at the end of that passage that we find him clothed in his right mind, sitting and abiding next to Jesus. That's the freedom. That's what Jesus talks about when he says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. That indeed means in reality, in right now, right? We're not talking about years from now. We're not talking about when you go to heaven. We're talking about right now Jesus has freedom for us. And so this is my question for you today, family, as we close here, is where... And what places have you been comfortable living that God is revealing to you in this moment that he wants to set you free? Because that's my belief this morning. 
Is there just some emotional places that we've been kind of holding on to? There's some stances we've been taking <laughs> and just kind of staying there and saying, I'm not going to be moved here. And that God wants to free us from and really have us walk in the life and the liberty that he has for us. Amen. Amen. Let, me, let me pray for us this morning. <clears throat> Jesus, thank you that you love us, that you sent your son to die for us, even when we were pushing you away, even when we were going in the opposite direction, you left the 99 to come after us. We were all prodigals. You were waiting for us to come. So I thank you, Father, for everyone here that you will begin to break some things free in their life as they begin to abide in your word. In this moment, if, if, if you are coming from belief to, uh, or stepping into belief to abiding, maybe you're not even there at belief, but you heard something today where it's like, I, I want to believe and I want to be set free. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know you and abide in you.